Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. How's everybody doing? Thanks for braving the elements. I like freezing with you. I like sweating with you. We just like to be together. Oh, it's so good to do this. So good just to come into the house of the Lord together and worship. There's just such an honor to run with a, a group of folks like you guys. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna talk about healing today, not in the not so much in the context of miracles, but in the context of the process. And I, I love the. I love miracles so much. I love the instant healings, but I also love the process. So let, let's pray. Father, we're, we're just grateful to be called your sons and daughters. We're grateful to be called your kids. There's not a greater privilege on this planet than to be said that we are sons and daughters of the living God. And I thank you that, that God, that Jesus, you will forever be known as the son of God. And we will forever be known as the sons and daughters of God. It's just such a great privilege. And so I, I'm, I'm excited for you uh, just to show up today and heal minds, heal bodies, heal hearts, heal souls, heal emotions that you heal, that's just who your, na- your name is, Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. And so we're excited just to be um, linked with you and linked one to another. In Jesus' name, amen. So yesterday I got, I got the, one of the, the greatest privileges of my life. I've been looking forward to this moment for, um, for 13 years uh, I, I got to celebrate my, when my oldest daughter, Kylie, turned into a woman. So we, we've been planning this for years. So we did an all-day daddy date, daddy-daughter date. I got to, got to show up to the door, ring the doorbell with my roses, watch her just come out in all her beauty. And um, we just got to spend the, the day just celebrating one another celebrating fatherhood and daughterhood and just what it means to be a dad. It's, it's like one of the greatest privileges in the whole world to be a dad. And um, we, we got to go to a Brazilian steakhouse. And you guys ever been to that? That's my cup of tea. Sorry for those vegans and vegetarians in here. They came to the table. Hey, would you like any sides? No, thank you. Unless you call that piece of flame mignon a side, then sure. So that was wonderful. And, and then we saw Aladdin. Oh, man, it was so much fun. A whole new world, a new fantastic point of view. I mean, shit. The magic carpet ride. I mean, Wow. It was just, I'm so proud of her. She's just a, an amazing woman of God. So, so we want to we wanna talk about healing. And I, I love that, that in the Christian life, there's two different types of healing. Don't you guys, aren't you thankful for the miracle? Aren't you so thankful for the miracle power of God? That moment where something's going on, and I, I, I'm, you know, just encourage myself. I've, I've personally experienced soul miracles. I've experienced body miracles. 
you know, three years, I mean, three months after getting married, we moved, Jen and I moved to Reading, and two months after that, I remember looking for a job, and I was playing basketball there in Bethel, Reading, in the, in the, in the sanctuary there, and they, you know, you're playing basketball on carpet, which was a terrible idea. If we ever build a gym, we are not putting carpet in that gym. It's not going to be dual-purposed. All my basketball buddies know what I'm saying. So my foot stuck to the carpet, and I ripped my ACL in half, and that was no fun. And I ended up having two surgeries and ended up going in for a third surgery. That was time it was going to be a meniscus uh, uh, tear. And so I was going in for a third surgery when I finally got healed. How many of you guys experienced the miraculous power of God in a miracle, in a healing? Look at that. Look, at, look around. Look around, guys. This is how many of us have experienced a healing, a miracle. That moment where God shows up and everything changes. I'm so thankful for those moments. And, and they're such a big deal. And so I, I, I love those moments, but, but I, I've noticed something that we have potential to be in our culture. We have potential to come to everything like a microwave. Where we're looking to push those numbers in that microwave, then I get my fresh, hot, I don't know if it's fresh, my wife's been trying to get rid of our microwave forever. I still can't do it. Sorry. I'm trying, babe. I'm trying. That hot meal in one minute, though. We, we like that. We like the moments. We like the, the bam of God. And, and I, I am so, I couldn't be more, uh, you know, appreciate that God shows up with miracles, with that moment of nothing could be, nothing could be different. I remember was in the back of the church and my daughter Arabelle had had a dream the night before I sprained my ankle and, and, and I sprained my ankle on a Thursday night and I go to, um, I ended up deciding to come to church and I went and sat in the back. We, our tent was still over there and my daughter Arabelle had a dream and in her dream she said, Dad, I was looking for the lady at church. And so as I was looking for the lady, the lady ended up having me go up on stage and we ended up praying. Um, we had everybody extend their hands towards you and somebody, there's a couple people around you, they put their hand on you and and. And you ended up falling over in the power of God. She actually said it like this. I, lo I love children the way they speak. She said, you fell over, Dad. You know, like, but you didn't get hurt, that type of fall over, the good falling over, which is being slain in the spirit. She's like, you know, just explaining that to me. And I'm like, yeah, sweetie, I do. And you got up and you were totally healed. And that morning I was in tons of pain. And so I ended up deciding, I rode my little moped over here and, and got to church. And I sat in the back and, and she ended up in the natural, started looking for the lady. My, my daughter goes to a bunch, of our, uh, a bunch of our ladies. She went to Vanessa. She went to uh, Stephanie. She went to um, Lauren. And she's like, can I get up on stage? We need to pray for my dad. And this was the week, if you don't remember, that healing just broke up. How many of you guys were here when the healing broke out? Just, it was about, I don't know, three months ago. Am I, my timeline's right? And uh, um, I ended up, right before communion, uh, I ended up sitting there with the, the communion and I saw Jesus and I go to, and Jesus walks up to me and says, put your hand in here, son. And I put my hand in his side in this picture in the, in the back of the church. And, and immediately after that, and Arabelle had already been on stage, already prayed for us. And I ended up moving my ankle around and I totally, and I got healed. And I got healed. This is the miraculous power of God. So I love those moments. How many of you got healed that day? Did anybody else get healed that day? A few of you? few of you? Oh man, that was a wonderful day. Want more of those days. Well, I, I want to talk about three different areas of healing for us today. Because if we're always looking for that miracle, that moment, then I think some of us are going to live a life of discouragement. We're going to live a life of hope deferred. It makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And, and I felt like the Lord said, I want to release, release relational hope today. And so I, I'm going to give you the three different keys right off the bat. And the first key is nature. Second key is rest. And the third key is the table of the Lord. So I want to talk about three different keys to just uh, the process of relational healing. And I love this moment. We're going to be in Psalms 23 today. Don't you guys love Psalms 23? 
you know, it's not the perfection of your life. It is the relational direction, though. It's the relational direction. It's where is your direction pointed? Where is the relationships in your life? Where is this pointed? Because the relational direction of your life is the most crucial thing we will experience for eternity. I love it that the father... At that moment of conversion, we got uh, adopted into perfection, perfect family. We got adopted into supernatural family. And we got a bunch of brothers and sisters. Why don't you elbow your neighbor and say, what's up, brother or sister, whatever they are. <laughs> this is your family, guys. I do not mean Bethel, Atlanta. I mean all the past, present, and future believers. This is your family. You won't be alone. You will never be alone if you know Jesus because you are a part of family. And I love it that for eternity, we're going to spend our lives with one another. This is why we need to get real good at forgiveness here because all the brothers and sisters are sitting around. The ones that love you so much are also the ones that hurt you so much. And so, we're, we're going to start with, with nature. And I, I love what's happening right now in science and nature. That they're, you know, they're, they're sticking EEGs. Is that the right word? Did I say that right? EKG. Sorry, I'm so bad at abbreviations. You're going to find out here in a moment Why? Um, to people's heads and they're going out on, on, on nature walks and, and staying out there for days at a time and finding out what happens to your brain when you're out there. And I love what, what nature does. And, and you know, this started out in Genesis 1. You guys want to start there? Let's just start at the beginning. Why not? In the beginning, God created. Mm, I love that. And so it goes through the, the six days of creation here. And I love how he ends every single one of these. He ends it was good, right? Everybody say it was good. And then he ends at the very, uh, into to, to chapter two, in the end of uh, chapter one, and he said it was very good. This is right after he created you. Turn to your neighbor and say you're beautiful. Humans are so beautiful. So beautiful. And I've been interested in finding out for ways for people to heal. Heal in their mind, will, and emotions. I, I've been now uh, counseling for, for quite a few years. I've seen hundreds of people. And one of the most curious questions I have that I ask myself is, is how do people heal? And these three subjects, I, I don't know if we pay enough attention to them. We kind of we bypass them. And I love that our, our God is creator and he has made you creative. If you actually want to grow in creativity, get out in nature. And so we're going to read Psalms 23. And we're going to probably read it in a few different translations in a few different ways. We'll start out here. So Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Don't you love this? And so I love how, how David, David starts out in nature. I think one of the greatest places that, that David learned the weapons of our God was in nature was actually sitting by green pastures. 
was sitting by streams. And, and this may sound funny to you, but I, I can't tell you how many times that I've talked with people and they tell me once they come out from being indoors what healing it did to their souls. You are a soul. You have a mind, you have an emotions, and you have a will. You are a three-part being yourself. And in those three different parts, we actually need healing. Every single one of us experienced trauma. I, I am right now, I've been, been teaching a class at Bethel Equip. We, we, we long just to train you guys and equip you to do the work of the ministry, to, to heal, just to grow. This is part of our heart. And I've been teaching my class called The Good News and Sexuality, and we're, we're in the fourth week right now. And in The Good News and Sexuality, I love that The Good News and Sexuality is all about good news. Your sexuality is good news to God. It's really good. We have males and females in here. You are unique. You are distinct. You are beautiful. And we're getting ready to come to the, to the last class. This Wednesday, I do the last class, and, and it's all about grieving in the context of sexuality. Because if you want to look for a place of trauma, the most deep places of trauma, the two most deepest that I know of is war stuff, veteran stuff, people who have been to war, and people who have had sexual trauma. Those two right there are one of the, the greatest places that most all of us have been touched by um, some sort of grief or pain that we need to mourn through. And when, when we're here looking at, at, at nature, I love that, that, that David is, is talking about one of the ways of actually resting. The Lord is actually saying, I make you lie down in green pastures. <laughs> Has the Lord ever made one of you guys lie down in green pastures? I, I remember this, this time I was up in the Trinity Alps in California, one of my favorite, favorite hobbies. Uh, I, I started, I think my first backpacking trip was when I was uh, 14 years old. And, and I remember uh, sitting in this, uh, this beautiful meadow. It was called Morris Meadows. I believe it has the biggest oak tree in the world. I believe that's right. Um, and, I, and I'm sitting in this meadow, and I begin to hear the voice of the Father more clear than I'd ever heard it before. And have you ever heard God where it's not about what he's saying, it's just about him being present with you? The simple presence, presence of God is one of the most healing experiences we could have as humans. And I think there's something so deeply connected to, to nature, just getting out and, and being a part of what God has created that actually releases healing to our souls, releases healing to our mind, wills, and emotions. Because I, I love the scripture says that, that man is without cause to not believe in God because of what is around him because of the beauty of the trees, the animals, the sky. He is without cause. We can't look around and say, no, there's no God. This right here did not happen by accident. Look around you. And I love that the heavens de de declare the glory of God. I love that the stars declare his majesty. I love when we look one to um, at trees, at animals, at, there's something of peace that comes over us. And I don't know about you, but the greatest thing people are in need of when they're looking for healing is that peace that passes all understanding. Because they're there for a reason. They had a lot of other understanding of maybe the trauma maybe the pain of what happened to them. And they need a place of peace. And I love that that place of peace, it goes, it's not about understanding in that moment, it's about who is with you, who is a part of you, who is next to you. And I love that peace is the alignment of body, mind, soul, and spirit. It's the alignment, it's the centering of your whole being. Peace actually centers you. And my, my challenge is so many of us have been so inept at certain parts of our being. For myself, emotions weren't even a part of anything I grew up understanding. 
It was all about read the Bible, pray, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And I didn't know what to do with all these little things that I was feeling inside. And becoming an emotional adult actually takes growing up. It doesn't just happen by a miracle. God didn't make us out to live in this form of the miraculous of where we go from infants to adults in one microwave moment. He actually invited us into growth. When we fall down, he says, get up, move towards me. You're doing a good job. He doesn't shame you. He doesn't say, what are you doing? You're supposed to be this old. Why are you still this old? He loves those places of infancy inside of you. But he is calling you to grow up because he longs for all of us to grow up in our most holy faith. Not in that place of a father of grow up. It's that place of a father that says grow up. Come towards me. Come with me. You need me to hold your hand? Oh, you fell. You need me to come pick you up? You need me to walk with you? And I love that, that some of the most marking moments in Scripture were, were people were being outside. The Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is outside with a whole bunch of people. And they actually get to enjoy him, but they're enjoying something else. They're actually enjoying creator God as they look around them and see the things. And I love what he does in the Beatitudes. I love what he says. Say, I'm sweating to your neighbor. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. What? Wait, wait, hold on. Happy are those who mourn. No, that's not true, Jesus. I know we're outside and all, but that's not true. I'm not happy when I mourn. You are if you know who's at the end of that morning. And I love, I love the conversation of Jesus. I love that he starts out first, blessed are the poor in spirit or humble. I don't know if you know this, but only the humble know that they need help. Only the humble know they need help. I don't know, the, the, you men in here, if you were taught anything like me, but it wasn't even from my natural dad. It was just kind of the culture that I was around. It was like being a man means you don't need help. Well, I don't know who, who, who's discipling you and who's discipling me in those moments. I don't want our world to disciple us. I want Jesus to show up and disciple us. I want Jesus to, to grab us hand in hand and say, you need help. Everybody say, I need help. help. It's the starting point of the Christian life is help. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need a savior. We all need to be rescued. We all need help. And it's even in that moment after we get saved, there's still a lot of help that we need because so many of us need to grow up in our most holy faith and we will continually be growing. I love Moses when he was doing, in the burning bush experience, that, that burning bush experience, that outside experience where he's out tending sheep. And I, I love the, the, the process of, of, of the picture of, of God as our shepherd. God is the one, Jesus is the one that, that brings comfort, that brings um, correction, that brings guidance, that brings peace that brings all these um, security. This is the, 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 the process. And so Moses is out there with the sheep and the burning bush. And, and I love that moment. So again, I love those moments that I get rocked by God and something grows up inside of me. But there's a big deal about what happened after that. It was the process with Moses of years and years with God. We need our years with God. Did you know that God created time? I think us charismatics forget that sometime. I, I love us so much. 
I like us. If you don't think you're charismatic, just I say, welcome, you are. You're here. If you, if you, if you lasted through this, welcome. We love you. Join the family. It's so fun. But, yeah, we all need help. You're right. But I love the shepherding process of the Father. And Jesus, I mean, Moses is out there and, and he needs that roaring voice, but he also needs that still small voice of, of encouragement too, that walking with God mentality. And, and I think a lot of us forget how important we're looking for the massive encounter when the Father's looking at you and saying, I want to walk with you in this moment. I want to walk with you today. Did you know his mercies are new every morning? Every single morning, you actually receive new mercy and new grace. It's about the journey. It's not about a destination. Any of us that have a destination mindset, we're going to be fractured inside. Nothing about this Christian life is a destiny mindset, a destination mindset. It's just all about the journey. Jesus loves the journey. Moses is a picture of journey. He's a picture of promise. He's a picture of promised land. And where did he get in his promised land? He still experienced it because no matter what, we will all experience the promised land because we are not creatures that are stuck in time for the rest of eternity. We are eternal beings that are called to live with an eternity mindset. And anytime we have eternity mindset, the way we look at this realm is vastly different. But if we have a temporal mindset, our mind will be so filled with anxiety and fear and what's the next moment. And I love that Jesus in the story, uh, um, in, the, in the Beatitudes and when he goes forward, he talks about, ends up saying, you know, be, be anxious for nothing, worry about nothing. And there's something about us learning how to be so present with the presence of God and with the presence of one another. So I love the concept, and we could spend a really long time going out, going through the, the um, going through Psalms and, and looking and seeing all just the, the natural beauty that, that God wants us to, to um, enjoy Him in, and we're gonna we're gonna end with some of that too. So nature, God loves it when you're in nature. God created nature, and I believe it's one of the most healing things that we can all experience. The second that we want to talk about is, is rest. Rest in the context of mourning. And it, it is one of my favorite topics, mourning, because I, 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 and rest, because I believe they go hand in hand in that place that, that Jesus, um, pardon me, that David says here in, in, in Psalms 23. So after he's hanging out by some water and some green pastures and his soul starts to get um, restored, he goes into another place. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, We can't forget that in this world, there will be trials. <laughs> and if you have a subscription to Pessimist Magazine, cancel it. That's not, that's not the way we're supposed to live. But also, if you have a subscription to Open Optimism Magazine... Sometimes your heart needs to be free to let out what is going on on the inside. There's moments where another declaration isn't the key. There's moments where another prophetic word isn't the key. Because Jesus wants to meet you right where you're at and he wants to hear about your pain. He is a present God. And I'm the biggest fan. I mean, one of my, my, my favorite people in the world is my friend Steve Backlund. I love him to death. And he's going to connect to a story here in one second. But, and he, he talks so much about this. But th this place of being able to grieve, blessed, happy are those who mourn. Mourning is the process of getting things out of you. And there's two different levels of getting things out. There's one part of your brain that needs to write down pain. 
I love C.S. Lewis. He's one of my favorite people, one of my favorite authors. And The Problem with Pain and The Grief Observes are two of my favorite books. They're two of the most life-changing books. And I, I, I love that the, the problem with pain is, 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 is C.S. Lewis stepping out and looking at pain and looking at the theology of it, looking at the practice of it. But he hadn't experienced it at that point at the level of when he wrote The Grief Observed. What was simply his journal, his memoir, his writings of, which he never was gonna publish, of, the, of, of his experience with his wife passing away. There's something happens to you when you let out your pain. Whether it's the grief of a death of somebody passing away. I love our culture that we are celebrating eternity and it's really good to um, celebrate eternity. But there is a moment to say, I'm sad because they're not here with me right now. And that's okay. That's actually the picture of healthy grief. To be able to say, it's okay for this sad moment. Yes, I will see them in eternity. I will be with them for forever. But the forever that I'm experiencing right now feels like forever that they're not with me. And if we're not be able to, 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 to link arms with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and link arms with one another, we'll be stuck in that place of what we call buried pain. So many of us live with so much pain buried. Your pain needs an outlet. Your pain needs an outlet. And in this moment, even though I walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, what do you do when you're experiencing pain? Do you know? Keep on walking. <laughs> Keep on moving. Keep on one foot in front of the other. Most of us just want to run and hide <laughs> in that valley. We're looking to run and hide. And in that moment, I feel like so much the Father is right there with our hand saying, okay, just one more foot in front of the other. Just one more foot in front of the other. Keep on coming towards me. And it, it was fascinating to me. Um, again, not knowing exactly how to process pain or look at pain or, or, or know what trauma is. Because the, the worst thing that we can do is compare trauma. Stop comparing. It's never been helpful. Well, their story is worse than mine, so I should be okay, right? Anytime we compare, we lose ourselves. We don't want to lose this. He loves this and died for this. And anytime we're trying to, to fracture ourselves out of ourselves, we're trying to uh, disconnect because we don't love our story. Your story is the only story that you get to tell. You don't get to tell another story. You don't get to have another person's voice. You only get to have yours. And when we do the comparison thing, we begin to shut down our hearts. Your heart can become angry at you especially when you abuse it with spiritual principles. And that was my thing. Again, I got saved at three. So it's like, pray, read the Bible, grow, grow. Man up, come on, do this. No, is maybe I needed to go sit somewhere in a green pasture by a stream and hear the Lord say, I want to cry with you. I want to be with you. I want to hear about it. Because you don't have to stay here. You actually can come out of the other side healed. You can actually be happy are those that mourn. And in this moment of looking at your story and accepting your place with the Lord, you got to keep on walking though. You got to keep on moving. Again, depending on your, your makeup, your personality, some of you need to get up and keep on walking and that looks like hope. So that there's different people obviously that I'm gonna be speaking to today and so just take the part that is for you but keep on walking. And I love how he answers this. 
Why will you fear no evil? Because for you are with me. I love the nearness of the Father. He couldn't be any more near to you than your own skin. He is that near to you. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is that near to you. And so our, 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 our ability to, to rest, rest is so important, guys. I have began to get my life wrecked for the last probably three and a half years by a pastor out of Chicago named Peter Scazzaro, who wrote The Emotional Healthy Spirituality, The Emotional Healthy Leader, and a few other great books. And, and I'm fascinated by his life, and it's been so encouraging to me to read some of his, his books recently and in the last three years. And he began to open up something to, to me and my family that we're still exploring, um, but it's the life of the Sabbath. And because I think, I don't know how it got wired in us, but it's most of the people I know. Most of the people I know, uh, our lives are driven to be busy, 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 and then we have two vacations a year. This is the life of most Americans I know and most Aussies. Those are the two people I hang out with. I love Aussies. And just this, this vacation-type man, mentality, I don't believe is, is set up for the Christian. I believe the Sabbath life is actually set up for the Christian. And a Sabbath, what it is, it becomes more present. It becomes in the context of our time, which looks like in a seven-day period, you have a 24-hour period that is dedicated to the Lord, that is dedicated to family, friends, nature, connection, and rest. You actually set aside all work once a week, what does this do? This is, this is the most fascinating scripture to me. Genesis 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them, and on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done. And he rested. Everybody say this. God rested, God rested. on the seventh day. Stop repeating. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, seriously. Okay, so, so God uh, blessed the seventh day and he made it holy because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. The creator of the universe rested. God longs for us to live a rested life. How many of you weary, exhausted feel like turmoil inside. It's because I don't believe most of us know how to rest. And we live from vacation to vacation, and then on our vacations, it's pretty much debauchery. Kind of kidding, not really, somewhat. What I mean by that is we're like dead on them. We're just like, we need, then we get home, we're like, we need to rest from our vacation. Is that how most people feel? They're like, they come home from vacation, they're like, oh my gosh, I gotta, can't wait to go back to work. That was so exhausting. And I feel like this is a key, which is Exodus, um, Exodus 23 is when um, Moses is beginning to, to instruct the children of Israel in, in um, Sabbath day festivals and, and pardon me, the seven day a week, uh, a process of Sabbath and then the, the festivals also. God loves feasts. He loves festivals. And he also loves the Sabbath. But he says this in verse 20. Um, 25 of Exodus 23, which I think is a subject that is near and dear to my heart that I want to learn so much more about, which is called divine health or divine healing. And I believe that Sabbath is connected to divine health. It says this in verse 25, you shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from among you. None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days, which is 120. I added that, but that's in here um, in a different spot. Um, And I will send uh, my terror before you and will uh, throw confusion in all the people against um, whom are coming against you. 
What, what he is saying here is he's talking about a principle, and I love our relationship. It's out, of, it, it, it's out of relationship, and it's not out of principle, but I do believe there's principles that the Lord doesn't even violate himself, which is the Sabbath. I don't exactly know how this looks. I just know there's tons of grace attached to it. I know there's so much grace because it's who God is. So there's something about in a seven-day period learning to rest and our families trying to practice this. When we have a good day, we actually get in a little circle. We all hold hands and we just dedicate the Lord. We dedicate the day to the Lord and the day to family. And it's just a day without work. And I, I want to um, end with the table of the Lord. So in, in, in Proverbs 23... I mean, Psalms, I keep on saying Proverbs. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. This is a fascinating passage to me, um, and it's called the table of the Lord. And I, I, I adore that, that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are at the table of the Lord. And... How many of you guys have experienced enemies? It's fascinating to me that in this passage, he puts the table right in the middle of our enemies. And I love spiritual warfare, but I think so many times in our life, when we think it's time to pick up some sort of weapon, we think it's time to pick up some sort of sword, the Father is actually coming to, us, coming to us and saying it's time to pick up a fork. It's time to feast. It's time to enjoy my presence. It's time just to be with me. And I love the table of the Lord because Jesus sits at this table. Jesus is the only access to the Father. And at his table, there's no shame. That's why your story is so important because there's no shame at this table. And the other person at this table is the beautiful Holy Spirit and he wants to bring so much comfort to you. He is known as the comforter, the one who brings comfort. But the other people that are at this table, I feel like is one of the greatest um, places of mourning that we have all forgot, which is you which is the person at your right and your left. Everybody look to the person on the right and left and say, you're at my table. And the question is, this is a corporate gathering. Without a corporate gathering, the goal, the goal is not for us all to sit here and be totally vulnerable. I mean, I could start being vulnerable. I didn't tell two of the stories I wanted to. But the goal at this table, the goal at this table of intimacy that we all get to come to is where your story, your vulnerability, your trust actually truly begins to develop, to develop intimacy, which leads to healing. If you want to get healed, you have to have vulnerability and, and trust because they lead to intimacy. But intimacy is actually the thing that leads to wholeness. It leads to healing. And that doesn't just take you, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. That takes you, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and a bunch of brothers and sisters. So if you're actually learning or wanting to grow into healing, we need one another. We need each other at the table. That's why I think it's a picture of the table. At the picture of the table, you tell your story. You show up with your trauma, with your victories, with your salvation story, with your valley of the shadow of deaths. But if nobody knows you like that, if nobody knows you at a table, you ever been to a table and you feel more lonely than ever? There's only one person in charge of that and that's you. We're looking for perfection when it comes to safety, guys. No, I'm going to still need forgiveness in this life because you guys are around. Because I'm around. 
And I don't mean blow it on crazy safety, but if you're a believing believer, you are called to live out these things, which is to become mothers and fathers, people worth following, not because of the perfection of their life, but because of the direction that they're going and because of who they're connected to. If you're looking for a a perfect leader, you're going to be disappointed. If you're looking for a perfect father and mother, you're going to be disappointed because the rest of us come to that same table with the same blood of Jesus that we all need. And hopefully we're all growing from glory to glory and faith to faith together. So again, at this table, some of you guys may look back and think, yes, I've had that teacher. I've had that counselor. I've had that pastor. I've had that older man or woman that I felt like I could come to the table. I felt like I could be honest and real. And if you don't have a person like that in your life, it's time to find one. Nobody else is in charge of that but you because we're now all adult sons and daughters of God. We're not children looking for fathers and mothers. We're adults looking for fathers and mothers, which looks massively different than the orphanness of sons. We have a father. We have a perfect heavenly father, but we need it one to another, which again looks like pastors, counselors, teachers. It looks like um, mentors. I love mentors. It looks like people that you're coming to the table and being real with. And then we all are brothers and sisters. It's what Dan just said a moment ago. It's these people that iron sharpens iron one to another. And then the cycle continues. The, the now, we are a people that now get to turn into fathers and mothers. You guys are all supposed to have sons and daughters in the faith. If I could ask for one thing that this church would be known for, it'd be known for supernatural family that looks like a bunch of fathers and mothers that are raising up the next generation of sons and daughters. You want to see revival perpetuated? Go to the next level? This is the way of doing it. It's not a bunch of evangelists, apostles, prophets. We have a lot of those, and we do need more. But we need billions of fathers and mothers of the faith. We need billions of fathers and mothers that other people can come to the table and they'll be safe and secure and they'll, they'll, they'll cherish their story. They'll weep with those that weep. They'll mourn with those that mourn. They'll give you spankings when you need spankings. Not literal spankings. Get all freaky on me. But they'll be able to correct. Blake talked about it last week. Who can correct you in your life? If you have no one that correct you, you have no fathers and mothers in your life. If you have no people that can come alongside you in this way, it's time to grow up, family, together. This is an us thing. This is a we. This is a family. This is not a bunch of individuals. We are not supposed to be a bunch of individuals. We are a bunch of individuals, a part of a body, of a whole connected unit. And I want you to stand up. I just want you to ask the Lord this. Say, Father, do I need to get out in nature? And I want you to actually listen. This may seem cheesy and funny to some of you, but some of you need to get off the couch and take a walk in the trees, in the forest. Some of us need to go sit by this lake out here and just hear the Father. Leave the phone at home, leave the podcasts at home, leave the self-help books at home, and just get alone with the Father. Say, Father, how am I resting? Rest is such a big deal. Rest allows our hearts to rejuvenate, to to grow. It allows our minds to detox. And then say this, Father, who's at my table? I I want you to obviously see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want you to see Jesus so there's no shame. There's no fear.
but then I want to know if there's other faces at that table. Is there other faces at that table? Thank you, Father. Father, I just pray that we would be mothers and fathers that know how to first and foremost live as sons and daughters. That is the highest title that you received as son of God, and we get to receive that too. But I pray that we would have a movement of safe fathers and mothers here at Bethel Atlanta, that we would be known as a safe healing community that loves the supernatural, that loves that, 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 that moment with God, but then also loves the journey, loves the present, loves the day-to-day. I pray that you would strengthen relationships, you'd strengthen friendship relationships. You would strengthen those that we are pouring into as a spiritual sons and daughters. I pray that we would all come to this table with no shame and own our story. That we would know the moment where it's time to pick up a fork and feast with you and feast with others. We know the moment where it's time to take a nap and rest and relax and build it in our life that we have a 24-hour period that is dedicated solely to enjoying you and enjoying the family of God, enjoying this planet, enjoying all the goodness that you have created here. And I just thank you that this is a, a life worth living. This is a life of healing not just that moment of breakthrough that happened 20 years ago, but that moment that happens every morning where we wake up and there's new mercy, there's new grace, and there's new hope. So I just thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.